Hallelujah. You know that Christmas is only 10 days away? How many are excited that Christmas is 10 days away? Because you still got to get Christmas shopping done. Yeah. Yeah. I encourage you um, today while you're here that you greet each other, but don't greet each other with an open hand. Greet you with the pound hand or hitting the elbows, no hugs and no kisses, no none of that stuff. Uh, this is big time sickness season, and uh, I encourage you really to, to be wise in all that you do. Uh, I get ridiculed sometimes, you hear the coughing and stuff going on back there, but when, uh, whenever after, after church, I'll shake hands with a lot of people and man, just whatever. And uh, I go to eat lunch after that. So you're basically, I'm basically taking all 100 that I shake hands with to lunch with me. And you're eating part of my lunch. So uh, I contracted something last week. And I had an infection and things going on in my body. And so I encourage you really not to, to be as friendly on that part as you usually are. So shake hands, do a fist bump, something like that. Um, Historically, thinking about Christmas, thinking about the Christ child coming, uh, it was planned way before we see it in Matthew and Luke about Jesus coming to um, earth in the form of a baby. We're going to go, in, if you would, in, in a couple of different passages this morning and, and just look at the historical setting of which he would come. And it was, it was, it was, oh, we're from 450 to 750 years before he came. Uh, this prophecy was given. The first one I'd like you to go to is Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. How would they know that Jesus was Jesus, that he was the, the Christ child. He was the son of God. He came in the form of man. But what was, what was scripture giving us in reference to uh, what he was to be in our in the mix of our dynamics of our relationship? They said, you find him what? He was what? Chapter 7, verse 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Virgin will be pregnant. She will have a son. We name him Emmanuel. That was the first sign he would be born of a virgin. We know that, that that is not a big deal to some people, and they just think, well, anybody can say that they're a virgin and, and have a child. But this is, well, there's a lot more history to this now we can refer to. But it was important. That was a statement about something eventually that would come. In chapter 9, and verse 6, a child has been born to us and given, and given us to son. He's given us a son to us. For he will be responsible for leading his, his people. And the name, his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Powerful God, Father who lives forever, Prince of Peace. There's a lot of personality things we're seeing about him in this scripture. What do you think the people were looking for when the Messiah came? A king? What else were they looking for? Come on, folks, I want, I want some interaction. What were they looking for? They were wanting this king to come, and they were expecting what? 
miracles. Someone to save them, someone to take authority on, on this planet and, and rule, because they were always, it seemed like, under the subjection of somebody else's rule. They were wanting something big and wonderful and glamorous and, and, and coming to the king of glory, and he'd come in and he would come in and ride on a, a great white horse, and he'd come riding in and set him up a throne. He would sit and he would dictate and he would, he would take charge of everything that was wrong on the earth. But they were so mistaken that he was going to reign and rule in a way that was not a physical kingdom, it was a spiritual one. And that's why so many of them miss it and they still miss it today. They were looking for all this grandeur and they're always comparing. They were always, even when they had King Saul, they wanted a king like everyone else. They wanted to be like everyone else. And they thought this, this king, the son of God, that he would be in, in, a, in some form like our kings and things that we have not Established on this planet today. Get my brain to slow down just a little bit. Now go to Zechariah in chapter nine. Zechariah in chapter nine. Chapter nine, verse nine, it says, Gregory, Greatly rejoice, or rejoice greatly, people of Jerusalem. Shout for joy. People of Jerusalem, your king is coming. He does what is right and he saves. He is gentle and he rides on a, on a donkey, on the colt of a donkey. The only place in reference to the Old Testament about why he would come to this to the, his kingdom riding up on, up on a donkey. If you know anything about donkeys, what is the riding a donkey like? I know down in Exodus, Exodus Richland will say, they have a donkey basketball. Don't know where it came from. It's kind of foolish, kind of silly, but that's what they have. And the donkey basketball, if anybody riding on a donkey, if you ask them if they're fun to ride, they would probably tell you no. Why aren't they any fun to ride? Well, first of all, you're long-legged, your feet would touch the ground. Maneuverability and big space to sit on is not there. They have a ridge on their back. It's called a backbone, and it's not real comfortable to set upon. There's a lot of things about a donkey, but why would he come riding on a donkey? This is prophetical because it could have been any other place, any other thing that they could have said. It could have been a horse. It could have been a black horse. It could have been a white horse, but it was about, about a donkey. And this is another prophecy. It's in the book of Micah. in chapter five. <clears throat> I apologize for clearing my throat. Now stop. Verse two. From you, Bethlehem, Bethlehem Ephraim, though you are too small to be among any army groups from Judah, from you will come one who will rule for me, rule Israel for me, he comes from very old times and from days long ago. There's something about this, this passive little quote here in the book of Micah. It's talking about the, the furthering of this, this king that Jesus would come. Now, every one of these, I'm just going to tell you all of these prophecies. The virgin birth was prophesied between 700 and 650 years before Christ. 
The titles that he had, Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, came between 500 and 700 and 650 B.C. Zechariah, riding on a donkey, was between 480 and 520 B.C. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, although it is vague and is very, very, very minimal what it talks about him as a king. It was about 700 years before Christ. Why was the Lord giving these little tidbits and just in random places? And he would speak to them. And there's some other references in the Old Testament. But these are just a few I wanted to, to touch on. Why would he just put in one or two verses in here that would begin to spark interest, begin to give people hope? Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke, Luke chapter 1, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Why did the Lord put just a little tidbits and pieces and places in the Old Testament for us to make reference about our Lord and our Savior? As I was studying in this and I was thinking about the effect that Christ would have on this planet, upon the people, and about our mentality, and about what we expect, I'm going to give you a little bit of insight into something. I believe for the first time in my life, I've, I've, I felt like the Lord spoke this to my heart. How many of us believe that we can receive and we receive a direction from the Lord. We can receive healing from the Lord. We can have uh, favor from the Lord. Y'all believe that? Why do you believe that? You, we've seen it, we've experienced it, but let me tell you something. Let's go back in history. Throughout the history of Jesus Christ, whenever he was being prepared to come to this earth, he was given the most meager state of living he was not given anything lavish. He was not given anything of prosperity. He was not given anything of great abundance. He was given just enough to get by. Throughout his life, that's, what he, that's how he lived. That's how he, how he survived. He had a, a relatively, we know very little about him from the time he's 12 years old till he's 30. 18 years is almost complete silence about the life of Christ. Nothing in his life to entice you because of what he had or who, well, maybe who he was, but not what he had to entice people to come to follow him. When he started his ministry, what did he have? Did he have throngs and throngs of people already supporting him when he came onto the scene? No. He came alone. And he went and he sought out his, his disciples for a significant reason in each of their lives, even in individually their lives. Chapter 1 of Luke, what a visitation to Gabriel. Verse 26, and during Elizabeth's six-month pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. She was married to a man named Joseph in the family of David. Her name was Mary. And the angel came to her and he said, greetings, the Lord has blessed you and is with you. And Mary was very startled by what the angel said and wondered what, would the greeting, what this greeting might mean. 
And the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary. God has shown you grace. There's two things the Lord's already given her as a promise. Listen, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. And he will bring, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his ancestor. He will rule over the people of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this happen since I am a virgin? And the angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will cover you. For this reason, the baby will be holy and will be called the son of God. Well, there's a lot of, a lot of excitement in her life at this time. There's a lot of things that got to take place. But this is a young lady. I think she was a very mature, a very together thing, a very chaste, a very disciplined young lady. The Lord wasn't going to take uh, the future of humanity and place it upon a woman who was, who was uh, kind of flippant with her decisions. And, and she made decisions because of what she believed and what she knew was right. And we know she was a Jewish woman, a young woman. But Gabriel, Gabriel's visitation, she was afraid, a little confused. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? A whole bunch of her life got complicated at this point. Up until this point, she had a husband. Who is it going to be? Joseph. She's already given give to him, uh, promised to him in marriage. And so now it's become complicated. Not only did she have questions about how this is going to happen, though maybe, the, maybe the Holy Spirit is going to come up on me and he's going to place a, an embryo within my womb. Okay, maybe that's one thing. But now what's she got to do? How can I possibly tell my husband that I'm pregnant? We don't like to tell the truth in a lot of things, but could you imagine a young lady with this, this upon, her, upon her head? Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter one, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was engaged to marry Joseph. But before they married, she learned that she was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. But because Mary's husband, Joseph, was a good man, he didn't want, did not want to disgrace her, and he planned to divorce her secretly. There's a lot of things about we don't think about. Maybe we have, but just really sit and dwell upon the things that she had to deal with. Now, so she knows, and she's told Joseph. So how does Joseph handle this? How does he handle it? Take, for instance, my wife. If we were going to get married, and she came up to me and said, Dwight, I said, I got to tell you. I said, okay, because I know she's serious. And I said, what? She goes, I'm pregnant. That would be one thing. But when she adds on to it, that I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit, I say, okay, we got a problem. There was no difference at that time than this time. This had never happened before. And Joseph was at, a, at his wit's end, and he goes, well, I feel sorry for her. She's mentally got a problem here. I'll take her, and I'll move her somewhere else, and I'll give her a private bill of divorcal uh, of our marriage, of, of my promise to her, and I'll take her away. 
Sounds simple enough. While Joseph thought about these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And the angel said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the baby in her, in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and will name his name Jesus. And you will give him whatever I said because he will save his people from the sins. All this happened to bring about what the Lord had said through the prophet. A virgin will be pregnant, she will have a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph woke up and did what the Lord's angel, what the angel, Lord's angel had told him to do. So Joseph took Mary as his wife, and he did not have sexual relations with her until after the child was born. There's a lot of things that, about Joseph, and maybe I've reflected sometime in the past about what a caliber of man that he was. Very few, very few of us would ever uh, uh, achieve the high uh, ranking of what Joseph did. Difficulty. Okay, let's think about it. Nothing's recorded. What about her parents? What about his parents? Now, Mary, Elizabeth understood because whenever Mary went and told Elizabeth she was six months pregnant that the baby wet, leaped in her womb, John the Baptist, she had, she had confirmation. The Lord let her know that it was, Mary was telling the truth. But everybody else in her family, we don't talk, we don't hear about the, the uh, disdain and the separation that happened. But I guarantee you there was something that happened. Difficulty with her parents. Never, ever said, never, ever said it was going to be easy. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Never ever does it say that a life with Jesus is, is it's the best life, and it is. There is no life, there is no life to be lived outside of the grace of Christ. But nowhere does it say that every life and everything is going to go as planned or, 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 or with understanding or um, no frustrations or, or no complications. And his life started off very much this way. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And what was Joseph's thoughts? A choice to wait after the baby was, was born was for him to have sexual relations with her was a big step for him. It was something he was anticipating his night with his, his wife. And, he, and he, the night came and went. And nine more months came and went before he was ever allowed to have any type of relationship with her. Let's fast forward just a little bit. The prophecy about her riding to Jerusalem on a donkey, about him riding on a donkey. Let's, let's go back in her life. So they lived down in Nazareth and they had to go up to Bethlehem because of a census. And so they were going to ride up there. They didn't have a, a real smooth, they didn't have different caliber of donkeys. They didn't have a, a model Cadillac, a, a model Volkswagen, a model, they just had donkeys. And so this woman drove, rode for 60 miles up on a donkey. I don't know if anybody here has ever rode 60 miles on a donkey, but you'll never be the same after riding 60 miles on a donkey. You won't. Now, there's possibility that they had, a, they had a little small wagon, a wooden wagon behind the donkey as, as he was traveling. You will never be the same after riding 60 miles upon a wooden wagon on the back of a donkey. Why? Nothing was easy. Every bump, 
every, every rock, every pothole, every little thing, it was going to be felt, it was going to be made manifest, especially when you're nine months pregnant. It was very uncomfortable. It was very uncomfortable. And you'll probably see that from here on out, most everything in Mary's life was uncomfortable. When he was young, let me stick to my notes. She felt every bump, every rock. I don't know, but you know, when you have your first child, you're kind of you're kind of paranoid for the woman. You know, you know, I was a little more attentive to. I was taking Wanda somewhere and was on a had a donkey and a wagon in the back. If I had her in the back, I'd, I'd fill it full of blankets and stuff so she could get some cushion out because they didn't have shocks back then. I would want her to be some somewhat comfortable. Now, when the second kid comes, the third kid comes. Kind of on your own, you know, but, but something about the guy, protective, that's wrong, okay. Uh, there's, there's just things that we, we would feel responsible for how she tra- feel, feels as she's treated on this, this trip. So, okay. When she was finally there, when she finally gets to Bethlehem, she's so relieved. The signs say five miles, only five more miles, one mile. Um, Finally get to Bethlehem, and they get there in another heartache. There's no room for them at the end. You mean to tell me I've traveled for a week in the back of this donkey and this wagon, and there's no place for us to stay? I'm trying to set a pattern. I'm trying to help you understand the pattern and the journey in her life and in Joseph's life and even the life of Jesus And you and I question everything in our life when things get hard and things get difficult. Never do we see Jesus have a life of luxury, have a life of ease. I'm not saying you're supposed to, but I'm saying we expect. We can travel, finally there, when you know it, no end. Slammed in the face of Joseph again, he was... I think he was frustrated most of, most of his life. He seemed to be frustrated. They were stuck out in the barn. I mean, me sleeping out in the barn would be a big deal. Get me out of the wind. I'd cuddle up in some hay, get a blanket. I can curl up and I can go sleep with the best of them. But a nine-month pregnant woman about to give birth, and guess who's going to be there to help her give birth? Not a midwife. Nobody to help get her through this. I'd never done this before. How, I don't know what to do, but we'll figure it out. <clears throat> Here's Joseph's mind. Remember when the angel appeared and said, Blessed are you among women, among, among women. You've been favored, found favor with God and, and man and, and all these great things in your life are going to come to pass. Do you think that one time Joseph was saying, where's the divine treatment now? Where's the holy treatment now? I've, I've given my life to this woman and this baby to be born. And all these promises and all these angels appeared to me twice or once so far. He's going to appear to me again. And it's nothing but disappointment
God knew when he was born, he could have made all these magnificent arrangements. But you know who God depended on to make the arrangements? Me and you. And Mary and Joseph. God gave them ability to make arrangements, do the best they could, figure this out, get this baby here, protect this baby. Many times we get mad at God and we think there's something wrong and we even question ourselves before God if, if something goes wrong in our life. We'll try to wrap this up. Joseph, Mary, maybe me, I thought, was this the future for our kid? It's not really what Joseph had in mind and Baby laying in a manger. I don't know. My mangers are a couple plastic barrels that you cut in half. In our house, that's that's manger. It's wood on the bottom, screwed to the barrel. And you put hay in it or put feed in it, and that was a manger. Not real sanitary, not real accommodating, but it worked. So who was there for this great birth of the Son of God? There was animals there. We know that we've seen the pictures, camels, donkeys, cows, sheep. And we know there might have been some sheep because we know the shepherds came. Anything grand was not there. The only other people came were shepherds, and, and we know the Shepherds are quite questionable on some of their behavior. Matthew chapter 2. Well, believe it or not, I've, I've wrote the wrong scripture down. So let me see, what is it? Oh, have to flee. Uh, go to... Uh, Verse 13 of chapter 2. I didn't write it down wrong. And they left. An angel came to the Lord, came to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Behold, Herod, the king is starting to look for a child so he can kill him, stay in Egypt until I tell you to come back. So Joseph got up and left for Egypt during the night with his mother. And Joseph stayed in Egypt until Herod died. And that happened and happened to bring about what the Lord said through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Now, we know that God was definitely on there about things that would, would prevent him from being killed. Go to Isaiah chapter 53. And so the Lord gave him direction, gave Joseph direction for protection upon this, his son. We've been talking about him. Everybody just stay with me. We've been talking about Jesus and, um, and everything he came to this earth for. And we have our nativity scenes and we have the, the lush little nativity and we get excited about nativity scene. But let's go forward. Chapter 53, verse 3. He was hated and rejected by people. He had much pain and suffering. People would not even look at him. He was hated we didn't even notice him. 
He took our suffering on him and he felt our pain for us. We saw his suffering, thought that God was punishing him. But he was wounded for, our, for the wrong we did. He was crushed for the evil we did. The punishment made us, which made us well was given to him and he was healed because of, because of his wounds. We all have wandered away like sheep. Each one of us has gone his own way, but the Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil we have done. He was beaten down and punished, but he didn't say a word. He was like a, like a lamb being led to be killed. He was quiet as a sheep is quiet while its wool is being cut, and he never opened his mouth. You see, throughout the life of Christ, he was probably viewed by some people a disappointment. From the age of 12 to 30, I made reference to this earlier, is a, was the age of silence. He was never the popular kid. He was never the go-to guy. He was the last one picked on the uh, dodgeball. He was the last one picked on the uh, ring around the rosy. He was the last one picked for basketball, whatever your given sport is. He was the one that was concerned about something else. There's always something else that appeared to be on his mind. He was the oddball, the square peg. He was experienced though in what mattered. I just read that to you in Isaiah, but all the things that he went through in physical, things he went through and people put him through. Go to Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. Verse 15, no, verse 16. I told you 16, 14 through 16. Since we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has gone into heaven, let us hold to the faith we have, for a high priest is able to understand our weakness. When he lived on earth, he was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let, let us then feel very secure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we can receive mercy and grace to help us for whatever we need. We may not have understood everything he went through in this life. And everything in life should have been perfect. We thought it would be wonderful and, 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 and no problems and everything he endured is so that we could have a life that's different today. I believe with all my heart that Christianity has come so far and Christ has, has done so much in all of our lives that we can expect to live a little different. Sure isn't because we're worthy. Sure isn't because he's not as worthy and when he went through all that he went through on the earth and he was ridiculed and he was mocked and he was beaten and he was spit upon and, and people looked at him as different, as weird as a square peg. He was experienced in what mattered. He was experienced in what mattered. Luke chapter four. I know there's a lot of scripture in today's.
Verse 16. Jesus traveled to Nazareth where he was growing up, and on the Sabbath day when he went to the synagogue, as he always did, and stood up and read. The book of Isaiah the prophet was given to him, and he opened the, the book and found the place where it was written, the Lord has put his spirit in me because he has anointed me to tell the good news of the poor. He has sent me to tell the captives they are free and to tell the blind, tell the blind, blind they can see again. God sent me to those who have been treated unfairly to announce a time, to announce the time that the Lord will show his kindness. And Jesus closed the book back up. There's something about Jesus. He wasn't sent to the well, he was. He was sent to all of us. But many of us never understood why he came. He came with a, a pauper, a poor little boy, and, and doing all the things that he went through. And Some of us wouldn't have been friends with him. So why did Jesus come as a little boy? Why did he come all those years ago? What was his concern? This, this kind of goes with Wednesday night and the foot washing that was up here. He never came here ever concerned about his comfort. He never once came here to, to worry about what everybody else thought. He came for one purpose, I want you to put the picture up on the screen. He came for everybody, but he came for you. Simply, that's what Christmas is about. It's for you. It's for you. You see, this lady on the, on the board here, I remember a few months ago, my wife said, wait, I got to show you this picture that Laney put up. Look what a difference Christ has made in her life. You see, he didn't come so she could have the, the greatest luxuries and she could have all these great things that the world had to offer. He came that she can't have hope and he can bring direction. And he's, men, for 18 years there, he was unheard of or never heard much about him. He was making preparation in his mind to make preparations for her. Laney, I want you to stand up if you would. This is what happens when a person allows Christ to come in and do work in their life. I don't, I don't know all of her past, but I know this. It was a helpless, hopeless, selfless person up on this wall. But it's simply what Christ can do in your life. He doesn't make you perfect, and he doesn't make everything perfect in your life. But he gives you hope where you didn't have any hope. And that's why the message of the cross and that's why the importance of the manger scene is so important. It's not about the luxuries that he had and he didn't have. It's about what he was willing to put up with and what he paid for for you and I. I like what? I got one more scripture to share with you. If y'all could come back up. I want you to keep Lanny's picture up there if you could. (coughs) 
So let me ask you. Why we have a church this morning? Just to accommodate us, to make us feel like we've done the right thing. Every service, we got to see that there's a need for somebody in this church. Does somebody come here looking for answers? I may not be the one that can explain everything, and, and maybe, maybe you're the one. But there's people that come in here every day, or every Sunday, just like Lainey, maybe not strung out or doing things necessarily, but they're looking for answers. This is why I came. Book of Mark, chapter 42, <clears throat> chapter 10, verse 42. This is why I came. This is why he came to, and we are so different. This is why we, he came that we can act different, that we can be different. Jesus called them together. Other nations have rulers. You know that those who love to show their power over people and their important leaders love all the use of their authority. But it should not be that way among you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be great among you must be a servant to the rest. Whoever wants to become first must be among you must serve. You must serve all that you like you were slave. In the same way, the Son of Man did not come to be served; he came to serve others and to give his life for ransom. This is when I would have had some chairs up here with. People foot washing. A woman on this side and a man on this side and choosing somebody to, from the congregation they could pull up here and, and begin to wash their feet. That's what we did Wednesday night. I did it for an object lesson. Last week we talked about pride. This week we're talking about servanthood, about serving. Not just serving to put a feather in your cap or make you look good, but, but there's something about it within each of us. We should have a desire like Christ did to serve people. And people who are washing feet, and I don't know who was, I did hear stories from different ones. I did it as, a, as an example. You would not believe from those being washed to those washing feet. Later in the week, they sent me messages. How it touched their life and how it proved to them what needed to be happening in their life. We come here every day and we can leave just the same. We can come here different 
This Christmas is the first Christmas that some of us may see things right. We may have always been so worried about getting things and doing things that accommodate us and to meet needs in my life, in our lives. First time we, in our whole life that we see Christmas for what it was. The sacrifice. Sacrifice. His whole life is not about the luxury. It's about the giving. I don't know why everybody's here but I guarantee you there's some people here that they want to know the true meaning of Christmas they want to know the true meaning of what Christ came to this earth for yeah he was born of a virgin and rode on a mom and rode on a donkey and he rode a donkey back into Jerusalem and, and all the things they, it's good to know for history but they need to know what his purpose is and what his reasoning was God it is there's no no different then than it is today. He came for Laney. He came to do work in Laney's life. Give her peace, Lord, where only you can bring it. If anyone is here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, not just church, I don't mean just nobody.